Well, here we are, episode three of the Central Podcast. My name is Simon. I'm going to be hosting this episode. My wife, Maria, and I oversee the Central Ministry, which is the 18 to 30s ministry at Imaginations Church. Now, Imaginations Church is a Christian church in the western suburbs of Sydney, and we created this podcast to just to kind of catch people where they're at. So... We're a little bit behind on this month's episode, but for good reason, which I'll talk about soon. But before we get to that, let's cue the announcement drums. Coming up on Sunday, December 1st, right after PM Church, we're having a huge central after party and a late night session. Don't miss it. And also, it's December 1st, so we're going to launch into the Christmas season. And speaking of Christmas, December 14th and 15th, Penrith Christmas Concert. Buy some tickets, bring some friends, bring family. We are planning some next level crazy stuff for this Christmas concert and people get a chance to hear the true meaning of Christmas. Okay, so as I mentioned before, we're a little behind on this month's podcast release date. And that's because in late October, we had our first ever central conference, which was amazing. Massive thanks from Maria and I to everyone who came out and registered. And that's what we wanted to share with you in this episode, a snippet from one of the sessions at Central Conference. We had Pastor Tim Biaceto from Horizon Church in Sydney. He's the young adults pastor there. Come and share with us, have a meal with us. It was really, really good. Wanted to give him as much time as possible. So take it away, Pastor Tim from Central Conference 2019. We're going to read uh, three scriptures at the beginning, which we'll build this message out of. Um, The first one is in Exodus chapter 17. We'll read from verse 4, and then if you want to look it up, we are going to Numbers chapter 20. We'll read from verse 6, and then after that, we'll go to John chapter 8. So just uh, while you're getting there, Exodus chapter 17, basically what's happening is the, uh, Israelite, uh, the Israelites have just left. They've, uh, they've, they've escaped Egypt. They've been led uh, by Moses into the wilderness. And uh, they get to this point where they are out of slavery, but all of a sudden they're, they're in the wilderness and they've got no water. And so they are like to Moses, come on, we need to do something about this. We need, Mo- we need water, Moses. Come on, deliver. You took us out of Egypt. What are we going to die out here in the wilderness? And uh, we pick up the story in verse 4 of Exodus chapter 17, and it says this, after the people cried out to Moses. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. So this is the staff he had. He struck the Nile and it turned to blood. So take that that staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand before you there by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he takes this staff. He had struck the Nile with it and it turned to blood. So when God says, take that staff, you know what it does. You strike things and things happen. Now take it and strike a rock and water is going to come from it. So he does it and God delivers. Now fast forward 38 years. There are just about a year prior to entering the promised land. They have been wandering around forever and they find themselves almost in the exact same predicament. There is no water. They are desperate for water and they're crying out to Moses to provide for them. So Numbers chapter 20. Verse 6 says this, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. 
Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of the rock? Then Moses raised his arm and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out. And the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to honour me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. How crazy is that? This is the reason that Moses wasn't permitted to go into the promised land. Crazy when you think about it, right? So last scripture just before we pray and just really unpack this is John chapter 8. We'll read verse 57 to 59, but a bit of context. Uh, Jesus and the religious people of the day are sort of in this like public tussle. They're, they're debating. Uh, they're at this uh, well, which is the well of Abraham. And as they're there, uh, Jesus talks about how Abraham looked forward to the day that, that he came. And they are like, who do you think you are? You think you're older than Abraham? You know, they're, they're basically trying to confront him and saying like, hey, bro, you're making some massive statements here and we don't like it. So we pick up in verse 57 and it says this, what the people said to him. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Because he's like, Abraham, I've seen him. He wants this, this situation to happen. Verse 58 says, Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Now they are some obscure passages. Trust me, God's going to use it tonight to really open up our hearts and minister to us. If you're taking notes, the title of my message tonight is I am where I am. Would you join me as we pray and just ask God to bless the word. Lord, we just thank you so much. That whenever we open up your word, God, that you are faithful to reveal yourself to us. I just thank you that tonight we're going to see you. We're going to see you in a way we've never seen you. You're going to help us to understand you more, your heart, your love, your kindness. And I just pray, God, for every single person in the room that everyone would have their moment with you, seeing you clearer than they did before. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Uh, in year 10, I was a bit of the class clown vibe. Um, I wasn't the best student in high school. I know you guys were probably all, all great. Uh, but there was this one teacher who you would never mess with, right? So all my classes, you sort of do whatever you want. But year 10 English with Mrs. Johnson, uh, she was Scottish teaching English, go figure. But she was the best teacher I've ever had in all my schooling years. She was so intense. She was tough. You couldn't muck around. She was like, going for it, right? And she had this thick Scottish accent. It was very, very cool. And uh, one day we're all in the library doing this this class and uh, we start talking about literary techniques. And so she reads this sort of um, sentence and she asks the class, uh, you know, what literary technique is being used here? And, uh, and um, my mate is like, oi, I know what this one is. I'm like, bro, put your hand up. So he puts his hand up and he gets up and he says, uh, uh, miss, I believe the literary technique used here is uh, hyperbole. And she goes, uh, incorrect, sit down. So he sits down, right? And he goes to me, he goes, Oi, bro, I'm not wrong. Like, she's wrong. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go. I'm like, bro, 
You have to do, come on, stand up for yourself, man. He's like, you reckon? I said, dude, if you are right and you know you're right, this is your time. Come on, let's do this. He's like, all right, all right. So he stands up, middle of the class. She's moved on now. He stands up and he clears his throat, <clears throat> right? All of a sudden, all the attention is reefed off Mrs. Johnson and whew, onto my mate Liam. And he stands up and this is what he, this is what he does. He goes, <clears throat> Miss, hyperbole. The exaggeration or the something that has been used to exaggerate. The literary technique here that has been used, I believe, is actually hyperbole, right? And I am just like, dude, this guy is all in. The whole class is like tense. The room's like, <gasps> and Miss just looks at him, gives him a minute, lets him just stand there. The, 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 the air is thick with tension. And she says, Liam, it's pronounced hyperbole. Sit down, right? <laughs> he said the word wrong. So he sits down so ashamed. And this guy gets like put in his spot. Now, I remember... This sort of message came out of a quiet time I had when I read John chapter 8 and I, I read Jesus and he's like in this argument and he sort of goes, well, you know what? Before Abraham was born, I am. And I'm just like, I think there's a typo in my Bible. Like that is the wrong tense, right? And I'm like, what is the deal? Before Jesus, uh, before Abraham was born, I was is how it should go. But he said, I am. Now, as I did a little bit of research, I realized that Jesus didn't make a mistake at all. He knew exactly what he was saying. So in Exodus chapter 3, right, there's this burning bush. Moses goes to it and he has this conversation with God. So listen up for a second. Exodus 3, verse 13 to 14. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Well, then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, I just thought it was like bad English or bad Aramaic or whatever, right? But it's actually not. Jesus is so intentional. He actually is making a statement in that moment. You know, before Abraham was born, I am. And we know that, the, that what he was saying is that he is God because they literally picked up stones to kill him. That's how aggravated they were by his statement. So he makes this statement saying that I am, I am God. Now this is bold in that environment. Do you know one of the things about God that we see is that he is omnipresent. He couldn't say I was, he couldn't say I will be, he is I am. He was, He is, and will always be. He's always present in the past. He's always present in the moment. He's always present in the future. He is outside of time. He is omnipresent. Now, one of the things that I've noticed about young adult life, right? Now, we're young adults here. That's why we're gathering, is this. Things change. Now, give us a quick wave if you receive Jesus into your heart as a kid or as a teenager. Give us a quick wave. Awesome. Yeah, heaps of you. If, if you're a young adult when you made that decision, give us a wave. It is awesome because now is the time for salvation. You can be saved up until the day you die. But as you can see by the show of hands, most of us here were saved or made a decision for Jesus in our teenage years. Now, I remember when I first made a decision at 13, I quickly started to form this rhythm in my life. It was awesome. We had youth on Fridays. I had connect group on Wednesdays. I had church on Sundays. And I started to get into this rhythm and I started to find myself growing. I started to find myself, you know, getting, it, getting in with God and, and feeling my, my life lift. And then my life group leader comes along and he says, Tim, do you know you can pray and you can worship in your own home? And he starts to teach me that I can actually read my Bible, get something from God, that I can sing the same songs that we sing on a Sunday in my room by myself and God can meet me. Do you know how stoked I was? The first time I spent time with God, it was a Tuesday afternoon, 15 minutes, put a song on, 
lifted my hands. I did everything we did at like you. So I jumped to a fast song and then I like closed my eyes and I just lifted my hands to a slow song. And then I read some of the Bible and after 15 minutes, I closed the Bible and I was like, I am the man, right? So that Friday at youth, I'm walking around being like, guess what I did this week? 15 minutes with God on Tuesday. Yeah, check me out. I'm killing it, right? And I created this rhythm that started to just get me and God so tight. I don't know if any of you can think back to those times when you were just in a good rhythm with God. And you, you, you're sort of feeling like you're at the top of your game. I remember by the time I finished high school, that final year of school, I, I was in the zone. I was spending time with God every single day. I was a leader and serving and I was a part of something massive and all of these great things. And I remember when I finished school, uh, my circumstances changed. And basically what happened is I went from, you know, the regular rhythm that I had to having to get up at 5am because I started at 5.30 in the city at a coffee roasting place. And so I'd get up early and I'd go to, to work for the day and then I'd come back and I was still serving at church. So I'd often do things at night and then, you know, my life started to get a little bit more busy and relationships started to get involved. You know, young adults, as part of our life, we're looking for some love. You know, all of those things start to happen and I quickly realized that the rhythm of my life was sort of different. And because my life was so different practically, even though in my heart, I really, really, really wanted to be close to God and I really, really, really wanted to be intimate with God, I was struggling to keep up my pattern. I was struggling to spend the time with God that I knew I should. And all of a sudden, instead of feeling stoked about spending 15 minutes with God on a Tuesday, I started feeling guilty because instead of spending an hour, I could only squeeze out half an hour. Instead of spending time with God every day, I feel like I just was spending time with God here and there. Instead of being on fire, I feel like I was so tired. Someone told me once, once you go to full-time work, it takes about three months, then you find a rhythm and it's easy. And I'm about three months in and I'm like, when is this rhythm going to hit me? All I can do is like, wake up, go to work, come home, eat, sleep, wake up, go to work, come home, eat, sleep. And I'm like, I got no energy, no time to do all the things I used to do when I served or to read the Bible and I'd try and force myself at night to sit there and read and, you know, I'll be doing my best. Anyone ever felt this? You do your best. I'm like, God, I'm just doing my best and struggling. I remember just falling asleep time and time again in my quiet, quiet time. Do you know, to be honest, during that time, I really struggled. I felt like I was letting God down. I felt a little bit guilty, like I wasn't where I used to be. I wasn't where I once was. And the challenge is that I knew what it was like to be in a sweet spot. And I knew that's what I wanted. I'm like, oh, how good was it when I could just enjoy the presence of God? And I wanted to enjoy the presence of God, but my life had changed. And I was struggling to get back to where I once was. And I remember this one night, right? Been a massive week. I have to get up at 5 a.m. the next morning. I'm in bed and I'm just feeling down. I'm like condemned, man. I'm like talking to myself like this. I'm just like, felt like about to go to bed, switch the light off and I'm in bed and I'm like, Man, you used to be so passionate about God. You used to be on fire. You've changed. You barely even thought about God today. You know, if you were real about this, if you were strong in your faith, then you wouldn't go to bed right now. You'd get up and you'd read. You'd worship. And I'm there like trying to like force myself to get up. Come on. Come on. You're better than this. And I'll tell you what, I was so tired and I just knew what I should do. And then the voice of God just cut through and spoke to me in one of the clearest ways that he's ever speaking, spoken to me in my life. And I felt God say to me in my heart, he says, Tim, it's okay. I'll be here in the morning. And I just remember this like, and I just let myself fall asleep. 
Do you know what was crazy? The next morning, I actually woke up and there was this like flicker of desire, a genuine flame of like, you know, desire to actually seek God again. And I had this realization that for so long, I'd been trying to hold on to this religious rhythm that I had felt had given me God's presence all these years. And throughout that, while my circumstances changed, while I was trying to do everything I I could do and, and be disciplined, that I was doing it without that deep desire. It was discipline, not desire. Now, thank God for discipline because discipline has got me through many a dry time in my relationship with God. But I got to a point in my young adult years when circumstances had changed and I was like, wow, that's what desire feels like again. And you know, I went on this massive journey with God, just discovering, wait a second, I, I actually want to find you, Jesus. And you know, what? I maybe didn't do my like hour that, that day with God, but this fire started to come back into my life and I started to make time for God again. I started to want to see God again. And I realized that all this time I had been going back to the place where I thought God was, thinking that His power and His presence was going to be there. Yet every time I got there, it wasn't as I expected. Do you know, the problem with religious rhythm is that it lacks the power and the presence of God. Someone can do all the things that they are meant to do and still miss the very thing that they're searching for. So take this story of Moses, right? He knows how it works. He's been there before. He struck the Nile and it turned to blood. God tells him, take the staff, strike the rock and water flows. He knows that when you hit things with this staff, God moves, right? So then all these years later, naturally, when he's like, I need water, and God says, take the staff, he's like, I know what to do. Take the staff, going to hit the rock, right? But God didn't actually tell him in that moment to strike the rock. If you read it, it says, speak to the rock, and it will pour forth its water. Yet Moses, instead of following the now God word, Instead of doing what God, is doing, what God has asked him to do in this moment, he is reverting back to what he knows works or how he knows the God rhythm is. And I think it is so similar with many, many young adults who have had a great experience of God in their past. You look back at the good old days. You look back at what once was. You look back at when you were on fire. You look back at when you did have a great walk with God. You look back at when you were serving at a different level. You look back at when you did spend more time with God than you do right now. And you can quickly look at where you once were and feel condemned. And so because you have good hearts and you want God, you go back to it thinking, if I can just get back to this place, I know what it's like. It's like water to a parched soul. That's what I want. And so you keep trying to go back. Now, here's the problem. When you just go back to a religious rhythm, guess what? God isn't there. Because He's not where He was, He's where He is. And God showed me this in this stage of my life. He says, Tim, you keep going back, back to where I was, to where you remember me being. You keep going back there and wondering why I'm not there. Well, Tim, I'm the great I am. I'm not where I was, I'm where I am. And every time we go back to where God was, we can spend the hour of of like time with God. We can go and serve as hard as we used to. We can try as hard as we can to be the people we know God wants us to be. But you get there and guess what's lacking? The power and the presence of God. And it's exhausting because you're like, I'm doing everything I used to do. What changed? In fact, even more dangerous than just that moment is you start to second guess your original experience. Oh, maybe, maybe it was just hype. You know, I'm doing everything I used to do, but there's no power. Maybe Maybe it was just that stage of life. 
Maybe I was just young and passionate. Oh, maybe I was swept up in the momentum of what was going on around me. And you begin to question the original experience because you can't see God and you think, well, maybe I had it wrong. But it's not that God wasn't there in the original experience. It's just that he's not there anymore. And when you try and get back to where you used to be, you will forever be left wanting. And do you know what? I honestly believe that what God wants to do is just to remind us that he is not where he was. He's where he is. God's not found in religious rhythm. He is found in a rhythm of grace. Check this verse out, right? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. So good. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Do you know, so many of us are trying to get back to that sweet spot. Get back to that time when things were better than they are now. But God is not saying, hey, come back to where you were. He's saying, come forward to where I am. And we need to stop letting ourselves be drawn back to that place, but getting enamored with the religious rhythm and starting to remember that we serve a living God, the ever-present help in time of need, the one who is the great I am. Whatever your circumstance is right now, guess what? I am. Whatever you need right now, I am. Whatever it is you, your, your, your heart is longing for, I am. God wants you to know that He is calling you forward, not calling you back. Do you know that the, the, the beauty of the gospel is this? It's not that we get to do life for God, but that we now, because of what Jesus did, get to do life with God. And I'm telling you, God wants to speak to you now. In your current situation, in your current career moment, in your current complexity of life, in your current relationships. He doesn't want you to just get back to where you once were. No, He is saying, I have got fresh word, fresh rain. I've got fresh water to give you right now. And all you need to do in your heart is actually be like, God, let that, let that, that flame of desire start to, start to be fanned into a flame. That flicker of desire be fanned into a flame. Well, that's some good stuff from Pastor Tim. Massive thanks to everyone who came out to Central Conference this year and we're hoping to do it again next year. But for now, I hope you have an awesome week and I'll see you next time. Don't really know how to sign this off, so I might just get a clip from a previous episode. Hello? Yeah! Love you, buddy. All right, all good.